0: Time to wake up. Um, When I was younger, and even now, that's one of the phrases I enjoy the least. I'm a night person. I perk up in the evening, and I stay awake into the night. My mind gets going. But in the early mornings, it's hard for me to get going. Uh, Anybody else like me? Anybody else? Now, in my family, and I've told you before, I have some morning persons My oldest daughter is an early bird. Yes, Leila. In fact, before the sun is up, she is up. And she makes her way into my room and waits. Uh, She'll stand by the side of my bed ever since she was young. And uh, she used to come and wake me up. And I would tell her, it's still dark outside. So now she waits. She just stands there in the dark and waits until a little bit of daybreak. And then she'll tap me in the forehead And she'll say, Papa, time to wake up. Do you like that phrase? Do you enjoy that phrase? Well, if you're not a morning person, time to wake up is the last thing you want to hear. Oh, no. Um, I keep telling her, wait till you're a teenager, and then we'll see. You know, they start sleeping when they're teenagers, and then I'm going to be over her bedside going, time to wake up. (laughs) The truth is, the truth is, it's not a phrase we generally like to hear if you're a morning person, but it's not, that, it's not a phrase we like to hear, especially when it comes to our spiritual life. But that's the message that God has been trying to give us over the last several weeks. It's time to wake up. As you know, we have been studying uh, the Awake series, and many of us have been meeting each week to uh, go through this book called Awake the call to a renewed life. Over, over the last six weeks, we've been uncovering God's word and trying to listen for the things that God is trying to communicate to us. And today, what we want to do is we want to paint the large picture of everything that God has set in motion within our small groups and within our community, to just to give you a renewed charge, a renewed sense of what God is saying. And the truth is, God is saying, time to wake up. Time to wake up. What I'd like you to do is take out a bulletin. If you don't have one, hopefully there's one nearby. I've made it easier for you today. <clears throat> I put it right in the back of the bulletin. I put all the notes there. All you got to do is fill in the blanks, right? Fill in the blanks. And as we share and as we talk, all I want you to do is just write down there and fill in the blanks. If you don't have a bulletin, um, Maybe somebody can help me get one for you, Uh, but but they're right in the back, okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to go quickly through an overview of what God has been saying to our church over the last several weeks as a way of reminding ourselves and putting this um, in a way that that, that can be out front for us to uh, to, to get moving. Because I do believe it's time for us in our community to finally wake up. I, uh, when I first looked at the picture for the book, and there was a little alarm clock there, and it said six, my heart sank. Because six o'clock is really early for me. <clears throat> for some of you guys, your half the day is gone, right? You're at six o'clock, uh, half the day is gone. If you're, you know, if you're like a morning person, or you're a construction worker, or a military type, you're probably out, and you're conquering the world before six o'clock. But for... The others of us, 6 o'clock is kind of early, but, but, but it represents a call to move into a direction that you may not be comfortable with. It represents a charge to do something that maybe maybe you have forgotten. And this is what God has been calling us as a community through this study. When we began our conversation, we began with the, sto- the story of Jonah. You might recall <clears throat> God came to Jonah, the story is there found in the book of Jonah, and God said to Jonah who was a prophet in and in, in a, in a, uh, uh, a messenger for God, I have something for you to do. I have a task for you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to tell them, I want you to tell them how I feel. I want you to represent me. And if you remember, it was several weeks ago when we studied this in the book of Jonah, Jonah did not like the call. He did not appreciate God saying, it's time to get up. I need you to go. He had been preparing. He had been studying. He had been in seminary. He had been sort of in the safety of his, of his community and praising God and worshiping God. But then God said, I've been training you for something specific. I want you to do something for me. I want you to go to Nineveh. And you remember the story. Jonah did not like the call. God said, it's time to get up. Jonah got up, the Bible tells us. But instead of going on God's errands, he got on a ship to go the other direction. And the truth is, for some of us, that's exactly where we've been. We've been participating and hanging out in a church community, a lovely one such as Bonita Valley. God has been blessing us, sharing his word with us. People in our community have been coming around us, befriending us, serving with us. But perhaps God has come to you specifically And let's try to give you a specific call. And what we learned there, point number one, is that when God calls us, he demands a response. God's call to return to him demands a response. God is not just another voice in the myriad of opinions and philosophies out there. God is our creator, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who made you and knows your purpose. And if God is calling you to something, his call on your life demands a response. Jonah's experience teaches us that it's hard to run away from God. You know, the psalmist says, if I go to the heights of the heaven, you're dead. And if I go to the depths of the sea, you're there. Is there anywhere that I can run away from your presence? Is there? No. God is everywhere. His intent is not for you to run away from him. His intent is for you to know what he has called you to. And when he calls us, and I believe he's calling some of us specifically, and has been perhaps for a season already, it demands a response. The devastating thing is, friends, is that if we ignore God's call for a specific job, God will have to move on to somebody else. I wrestled with that story very much, and it, it really stuck to me. Because God has been saying some things to me in this season. Yes, uh, I can look back in my stories, I'm sure you can in yours, and say, well, I, you know, God told me to do this, God opened these doors. But what about today? And God has been saying some things to me in this season, and I've been sort of hemming and hawing. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when you're in bed, and they're like, wake up. Okay, five more minutes. Anybody do that? Five more minutes, and then you, you, you roll over, and then they snatch the blankets, and you grab the sheets, right? Okay, God, five more minutes. But what struck me as I read the story and as I look at the rest of the stories in the Bible, is that if we do not answer God's call, he will take that call and give it to somebody else. And we, we will have been passed over. And my friends, that's a tragedy. And I've been wrestling with God, and I've been telling him, don't pass me over. I don't want to get passed over. I want to serve him. So if God has been uh, trying to speak to you, trying to trying to make a call upon your life, the challenge is here for us to respond to him. And there are three things here for you to tune into God's call. Number one, <clears throat> this is in your blanks there. You have to be sensitive to God's voice, sensitive to God's voice. Do you know that God is speaking always? You know what the Bible says? The psalmist says that the rocks cry out, the heavens speak of his glory. The firmament tells us how big he is. God is constantly speaking, but we are attuned to other things. Some of us are in tune to our own needs. Some of us are in tune to other people's opinions. That's how we make decisions. But God wants us to be sensitive to his voice. How do we do that? You'll see a little bit. But be sensitive to his voice. Number two, respond with obedience. If God has asked you to do something, it could be as simple as show up to work. It could be as simple as open the door to this relative. It could be as simple as give away this money. You have to respond with obedience. He may not ask you to go to Nineveh like he did Jonah, but he's asking something of you, and we've got to respond with obedience because that's what our God demands. Number three, if you make a mistake, we learned this from Jonah, if you have been traveling the other direction, repent if necessary. Say, God, I realize I've been walking away. Even as I'm saying this, I know that some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. God has been pushing you that direction, but you've been going this way. God has been saying, I want you to let go of that business venture, and you've been driving into it. And if you realize God is calling you away from that, then repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. And turn and obey. Be sensitive to his voice. Respond with obedience. Repent when necessary. We learned in our second, <clears throat> in our second week that God wants us to return to our first love. In, our, in my small group, we, we, we started to think about things that we used to love, but that have sort of gone by the wayside. And uh, I confessed to my friends that at some point I was really big into triathlon. In fact, I convinced my, bu- my wife to buy me the best bike possible. It's fancy. But you know, it's been on my garage wall for like three years. One time, that was my thing. I was a triathlete. You know what I'm talking about? There's probably something in your life that used to be like, that was your thing, but now it's gathering dust. And God is saying, your relationship with me at one point in your life was strong, and, and and there was a fire in your heart for me, but maybe now you've got me up on the garage wall. And if that's the case, he says, return to your first love. Return to your first love. We read the story in Revelation where God is speaking and he says this, he's speaking to the church at Ephesus and he says, you're trying to do everything right but this I have against you Revelation 2 verse 4, you have abandoned the love you had at first God wants us to love him with a first love kind of love and so he's asking us to return to him how do we do that? these are the tips Number one, or A, remember when your Christian walk was its most healthy. If it isn't its most healthy now, think back upon your past and upon a time when you were on fire for God. Try to think back, like, what that was like and how life became that way. What what made the things happen that gave you love for God? Perhaps in some Time passed, you used to go on walks with God, and that's what really fueled your relationship. Or maybe you were part of a small group in the past, or maybe you led a ministry, and that's when life was on fire for God. Remember that. Recapture that. Number uh, Letter B, identify patterns and habits that are detrimental to your love for Christ. The truth is, there are some things in our lives that get in the way of our love for Christ, right? For some of us, I'll be honest, it's our work. It consumes us. Do you know that even ministry work can drive you away from God? It's so true. You can get caught up in doing what ministry needs, that you leave no time for God. And God says, identify those things that seem to take you away, those habits, and change those And let us see, make a practical plan for drawing closer to Jesus. And this is what practical means literally, something that you can put into action this week. Do you have a plan? If you don't, make one. I'll give you some examples. If you think back and you said, you know, this is an example, you know, when I was in college, I used to wake up and I used to journal my thoughts to God, and it really, but I haven't done that. Then make a plan. Tonight, after sunset, go down to Barnes and Noble. Get a nice journal and then make a decision that you're going to wake up or at the end of the day, wherever there is five minutes, and plan on it. Put it on your schedule. I'm going to journal to God. Whatever worked for you in the past, make a plan to do it now. If your first love for God is up on the garage wall, we've got to get back to it. Make a practical plan. We learn next that as we're moving towards God, the one thing that God has given us that is available to us at all times and in all situations is prayer. Prayer. We learn through the story of Nehemiah that we can move forward in our life and overcome obstacles by retreating. That's the word there, retreating into prayer. Retreating into prayer. Remember the story of Nehemiah? When he looked, Uh, to his home country, and he saw so much challenge there and and, and so much disillusionment, he didn't know what to do, so he decided to pray, and he fasted. And the Bible tells us that in an intense time of prayer and fasting, God spoke to him and gave him a singular purpose. He didn't know what he was going to do, but he knew God was going to use them, so when the opportunity came, he could step right into it. A lot of us look at our situations and we think, I, God, I don't know. There's, the obstacles are so large. I don't know. We need to retreat into prayer. Because when we begin to pray, and the Bible tells us here, and this is what it's in there. If we begin to pray every day and in every way, God will begin to speak repetitively into us. Pray every day and in every way. We've been taught and modeled to save prayer for 911 emergencies, right? For the last resort. But God wants us to live in constant reflection with him. That's how we become sensitive to his voice, through prayer. We speak and we listen. We speak and we listen. Block out time for prayer and guard it closely. Guard it closely. If you've decided, if your plan was, I'm going to pray. And listen, make a practical plan. That means realistic. Don't say, I'm going to pray for an hour and a half every night. Because you're not going to do that. Right? And so what happens, like with every diet plan, you're gonna, if you're going to you know, cut out sugar altogether, the minute you eat one cookie, you say, well, what's the point? So make a practical plan. Can you give five minutes? Can you give a minute and a half? Start there. A minute and a half. Before I turn on the TV... A minute and a half start there make a practical plan and then guard it closely make something that you can do and then protect that guard it closely we learned from nehemiah that he spent time in prayer and fasting if you want to take your spirituality to the next level fasting can do that our group tried i don't know if your group did our group tried and the thing about fasting is you realize how much you depend on food i did to brighten up my mood. I found myself, every time I got stressed out, just walk into the fridge and opening it. And I was, what am I doing? I uh, I didn't think I was a stress eater, but I was at home and I, I'd get a phone call Then I'd oh, think about it, go to the fridge, and I open it and I realized, oh, I'm fasting. Oh. But when you deny yourself that most basic instinct to eat, you begin to think about, what is it that I'm wrestling with God over? And you know, that whole day then, The thing that was in my mind just kept coming back, and I kept saying, God, God, every time I opened the fridge, it reminded me, no, God is my answer. God is my portion. If you want to take your prayer life to the next level, try fasting. Deny yourself food. We learned from Nehemiah after he had been put at service from God. That the one key to sustaining a life of spirituality is to rely on God's Word, the Bible. God's Word is the fuel for a consistent lifestyle. Okay, friends, here's the truth. There are times when you can go to a conference or even a church service and feel lifted up. You know what I mean? You might go, man, that service was great, and you have this moment right? Or uh, y- you attended a seminar, or or maybe you you had an experience, and you have what they would call a mountaintop experience. <clears throat> Every time we used to go to uh, Pine Springs Ranch for a retreat, you, go, you literally go up a mountain, and things were great there, and then you'd have to come down the mountain, and you would look back, ah, oh, how come I can't take that home? And that's why you go to college at PUC, because you always stay on the mountain. <clears throat> but ne- ne- never mind. The point is, <clears throat> The point is, we live in sort of this ups and downs, right? Ups and downs. Well, God's word is what gives us consistency if we rely on it. If we rely on it. So the challenge is to make a habit of reading the Bible every day. Hard to do. Especially to read it in such a way as to listen. If you're like, okay, uh, when the day of Pentecost came, blah, 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 and you just read and read Okay, okay, I'm done. Not going to get a whole lot of that. And if you read just a snippet, it's hard to have a consistent lifestyle of spirituality. God has given us this book. And you know that this book is an endless resource of his presence. Endless. You know why? Because every time you change, it changes. Now, God doesn't change. But what he's saying to you changes over time. A six-year-old reads this Bible with amazement and wonder. But very differently from a 40-year-old plus. But God is still God. The Bible... Is God's fuel for our life, for consistent. Make a habit of reading the Bible. Make yourself more attentive by taking notes. When I was in college, I didn't like taking notes. Ah, I hated taking notes. I would say to my friends, hey, you take notes. Let me get yours. But the truth is, when you take notes, it reinforces what you're thinking the moment that you're listening. That's why teachers say, take notes. And if you want to be attentive to God, don't just read it and go, okay, I did it. Take some notes. Underline some stuff and it'll keep those ideas fresh in your mind. I'm going to keep moving quickly because we're almost out of time. God's Word challenges us to step up and lead a group or teach the Bible to children. Do you know that there's no better way to learn the Bible than to have to teach the Bible? So if you're not currently teaching or leading a group, consider stepping up to that. You don't have to teach scholars. You You know, we need a lot of help in the classrooms right around us. I'm telling you, the people that are doing fantastic work, but we could use your help just to come in and teach a story. There's no better way to learn the Bible than to have to teach the Bible. Number five, when God brings revival to a group, unity is the byproduct. Walking with Christ brings us together in unity and purpose. God wants us to do something not just as a person, as an individual, but as a group, as a group, as a church. And in order for us to do that, we have to surrender ourselves each morning to the Lordship of Christ. That's the word. And surrender means, I have my own agenda, but I start every day by saying, God, these are my plans, but show me your plans in case these two things come into conflict. Surrender yourself every morning to God. You know why? Because in our church community, we are going to come into conflict. And if we have a spirit of surrender, it allows us the opportunity to work together. But if we do not, then we just have conflict. Ask God daily to remove barriers so that your church family can be one in heart and mind. You know, it's very different when we move together as a body rather than individuals within a body. The feeling is very different. So you have to decide for yourself, am I just an individual in this body or am I moving with the body? It's up to you. But when Christ speaks to us, he tells us, be as one. Be as one. And take a bold step to confirm that you have surrendered. When you see somebody in need, this is practical. Fill the need. This is how you can know whether or not. You say, I'm surrendering to God. I'm surrendering to God. But if there's nothing coming out of that, then you ain't surrendered. And the last one, Pastor Sam preached on this so eloquently last week. When God comes to a church and gives revival, it means that he propels us to spread the gospel. A revitalized church uh, spreads the gospel. God's message isn't just for us to lap up and eat up and enjoy. It's always to share. And so the challenge for us is to pray specifically for someone who needs the hope of Christ. And I emphasize the word specifically rather than just in general for all the lost. There's somebody, literally somebody in your life that needs the hope. I'm not saying they need to come to church here. I'm not saying they have to be baptized Seventh-day Adventist, although I do believe that would bless them. I'm saying they need the hope of Christ. And your job isn't to dunk them in the water. Your job is just to share that hope. So you got to pray for that person so God can tune you to who it is and what to say when the opportunity comes. Actively seek the opportunities to share the gospel. And lastly, in a practical way, join with your group to proclaim the gospel in a tangible, practical way in your community. Pastor Sam and the youth have given us a great opportunity here, that 444 project, and in just a few weeks, as you know, Christine was here last week, they go down to to the orphanage. It's a practical tangible way in our community to work together to spread the love of god if you don't want to use that one find another one do something with your people your group of friends your your sabbath school your small group bible study your team your family do something tangible to proclaim the glory of god god is challenging us the evidence is clear it's just time to wake up it's time to get up and it's time to get going